Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP, Town Hall. Welcome to episode 71 of the PHP Town Hall podcast, uh, Forging the Happy Dev. We are uh, joined today with our friend from across the ocean, James, who, funny enough, is the third Laravel employee we've talked to in the last... Um, 65 days. So, um, Taylor, that check better start cashing soon. I'm just saying. Uh, James, how's it going? Yeah, very good. Thanks. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. Um, like to note, like we're recording this at five o'clock my time. So, James is up at 11, which is usually a normal time for developers, but it is a lot to stay up and talk to us too. So, uh, super thanks for doing that. Um, Ben, Boston, Wayfair, how's life? Life is good, man. It's, uh, it's warmer these past couple of days. Like it's in the thirties today, which is toasty, but uh, it's, it's not too bad. I'm getting adjusted. Cool, man. Cool, cool. So, um, James, why don't I think people are starting to kind of like you? I just found out about you not too long ago. Um, you kind of snuck into the whole Laravel job and ecosystem and stuff. Um, can you kind of give us like a little bit of background, like how you got to where you are today, and um, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so I, I started uh, learning to program when I was seven. I'm now 28. Um, and I started with PHP when I was about 14 or 15. And it sucked. So I like left it for different languages. Um, and then I got my first job when I was 18. I, I finished college early. Uh, and I was doing like IT support and help desk EPOS software development in VB6. And then um, I got a job at a travel company, Blue Bay Travel, and that was like my first PHP job. I'd been making like a blog and uh, forums and chat rooms and all sorts of things with PHP, but always on the side, never for money. Um, and then I stayed at Blue Bay for like the last nine years, eight or nine years, um, kind of worked my way up from PHP developer to um lead developer to software development manager. Um, and we made loads of different things working in travel. It's it, although it's like a, a travel industry, you spend a lot of time not making travel related stuff. So we made a custom CRM, custom CMS, like everything was bespoke at Blue Bay um, because it needed to fit with some crazy APIs, like APIs that nobody else knows of that no one's ever, ever going to use. Um, but we had to, so we made a lot of uh, packages, internal packages and whatever. So I'd been using PHP for quite a while. And then uh, we started, we actually started rewriting our CMS in Node.js, uh, but it was like super early in the Node.js coming up and whatever. And so it was buggy, it, like memory leaks all over. And I was like, well, we've got this deadline. We need to rewrite it. 
looked at, scoped out a few frameworks, found Laravel, and I was like immediately drawn into it. It had great documentation. I basically recreated like a, a quotation system within a couple of hours, super basic CRUD stuff. Um, and so since then, that was five or six years ago now. Um, and then been using Laravel ever since. And it kind of reinvigorated my love of PHP. Um, I mean, it's like the language sucked previously, but it's so much better than it, than it was. Sorry. Um, and then I think that Laravel single-handedly saved the language. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So then I started, I, um, I was working on an open source project called Cache, which was a, uh, a clone of status status page that I own. Um, and that became like super popular, uh, which was crazy. And then um, from that, I kind of uh, started to speak to other people, um, Graham Campbell, Joe Cohen. Um, and uh, from that, we started working on StyleCI, uh, which is a PHP code fixing service. And then it kind of evolved into uh, web language fixing stuff. And through that, I then started speaking to Taylor. I went to the um, Laracon Louisville in 2016, um, which was really cool. And then from that, I was able to convince Taylor to let me do a little bit of work on Envoy uh, because there were some things that I really wanted it to do and it didn't do. So um, that's kind of how I like started working with Taylor. And then uh, I was listening to a podcast, um, where one of the... Uh, ones that Taylor does. And he was saying that he was looking, potentially looking for a new employee. So I was like, well, cool. If you, you know, uh, I'd be super interested in the job if it came up. Like I've always been really happy at Blue Bay, but if the right thing came up, I'd go for it. Anyway, a bit later, I heard back from him. was like, the, you know, you've got the job if you want it. And, uh, and then he announced that at uh, Laracon uh, last year. And I was on holiday with my wife and daughter. And like my phone blew up. It was like 11 o'clock and I just got like hundreds of new followers and tweets and everything. And it, it was really cool. Like all of a sudden I had this massive audience or massive to me anyway. Um, and then, yeah, that's where we are today. She called that like the Taylor effect or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our biggest episodes by far are the ones with Taylor on. Yes, um, Justin Jackson said the same thing, I think, with their um, Builder SaaS, mm -hmm. like the Taylor Otwell effect. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, he can, you know, if he wants to give us money, we're not going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> we, have to, we have to fund our drinking somehow. Um, <laughs> no, that's a really cool story, um, especially how Taylor's like, hey, here's a job if you want it. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's kind of like, like your dream job almost, just having it handed to you instead of like having to jump through all the hoops and the processes of an interview and all that good stuff. Yeah. Super fortunate for that. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that you do um, is in direct competition with us, but we're friendly. So we decided why not was uh, you started a podcast. Um, I think, yeah. was it super late last year or early this year, kind of around that time? Yeah. So it was late October. I think I put out the first episode on maybe like the 31st of October, which was really just a teaser to be like, see if anyone's interested in it. And, uh, yeah, so that's done like seven episodes, but one's a trailer and one was a bonus episode. So five actual interview episodes. Yeah. Cool. And so, I mean, what was your, like, what, what was the motivation behind like 
jumping into the whole podcasting thing? Like, was it something you've been playing for a long time or just kind of an idea that hit you middle, middle of the night and you're just like, I want to do this? Um, yes and no. So, um, August 2018, and I obviously was really, really sad. And for, like, it's a tragic class. So I was, I was gutted. And um, I knew that I wanted to do something positive from all that negative energy that I had. Um, so I, I organized, um, there's a, a charity in the UK called Papyrus, which is um, uh, like a prevention against suicide um, charity. And they offer a helpline and everything. And every, I think it's every October or November, they do a, uh, a charity walk, which they call the Hope Walk. And um, I set up that hope walk in memory of my brother. And I think we raised like three thousand pounds or something. Um, I might be over Mark and I can't can't quite remember, but it was a few grand anyway. And uh, so we did that, and that was really cool. But I wanted to do something more than just organize a walk for for a different charity. So I'd been thinking about wanting to do a podcast anyway. And uh, I'd been mulling it over for ages and not really, I, I kind of felt, if I'm honest, I kind of felt embarrassed to to say to people that I want to do a podcast. Like it's, it's a bit of, I, like I didn't know the format that I wanted to do. So whether it'd be kind of a, just a discussion with myself, like a, just blurting out thoughts that I had an interview podcast or whatever. And because I didn't know what it, what the format is that I wanted to do, I felt kind of embarrassed about the idea of it. And, um, eventually I, I sort of mentioned it to my wife katie and uh and she said well yeah go for it then like you know you, you need to decide on what it is that you want to do like what kind of format but you know you've got this audience now so you know people and you can open doors up that way anyway if you want to speak to different people so i, I um recorded an episode using like my uh, like a trailer with my beats earphones um some royalty free music and garage band and then I got into bed and uh, played it for my wife, and she and she just cried. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, you know, I'm not feeling very confident." But apparently, it was with pride. So um, <laughs> I then went and this bought. This is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely thought that. Like I couldn't quite see what was going on, but she was just like crying, and tears were in her eyes. And I was like, "Well." Is that good? Is that bad? And I'm not, like the whole time I'm just embarrassed that I'm hearing myself talking. And it is the worst. It's horrible, isn't it? Like I'm slowly getting used to it now. I'm editing episodes a lot, but the only worst thing is like hearing Matt talk. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. That's why we pay people to edit this podcast. <laughs> good and we yeah. all like I pay for uh, the APIs. I won't. You won't hate podcasts. We pay for people to do that because I refuse. Yeah, it's, it's tedious yeah. as well, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's I mean, I, I quite I like I, people have suggested to me like, why why don't you just pay somebody to do it? But there's two reasons for that. One is that like I want to tell that person's story really well, and I want to make sure that it's done to the best of my ability, not somebody else's ability. Like it was, it was the conversation I had with them, and we're talking about very personal things. So I want to make sure that like things that they don't want, like you can tell in the conversation that something doesn't need to go in. So I want to get rid of that. And I don't want to take away from that story either where, where it does potentially get quite deep. Yeah. Because it's so like intimate, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
yeah and the and the second thing is that obviously that costs money and uh currently well up until recently i've been covering the costs um so i pay for like transistor and epidemic sound and the domain um which equates to like forty dollars a month which is is fine because the way i see it is that's my charity donation um but uh, earlier this month, I set up um, a Patreon page and started thinking about sponsorship on the actual podcast itself. And so now um, two people have donated on the Patreon, which means that I'm actually covering those costs now. Um, but regardless, like any money that gets donated, I cover the cost of the podcast or what it, co- uh, what it costs to produce and whatever and host it. And then the rest of the money will be going to different charities. Um, like I, I'm not pocketing from it at all. I want it to go and actually be of use to people. That's a really cool idea. So it doesn't like make people afraid to give you too much. Uh, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And also, I don't want to capitalize on on that kind of um, I don't, like industry is not the right word, but it like I, I don't want to be a charity myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it as in not a charity case, but an actual charity. Like I, I want that money to go on to charities that are, have already been set up that are already providing use. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, that, that stuck out. Um, when I shared the article, you wrote with Ben, like that was like the first thing we looked at. I was like, wow, that's really, really cool. Not something you would see every single day, you know, people being so selfless about that kind of thing. Um, hmm. So like, what is like, you said your wife's reaction was she was crying. You had no idea if that was good or bad. Um, but like, what has like the overall community's reaction kind of been to the episodes you've released so far? Overwhelmingly positive, which is crazy because that like, as you guys I'm sure are, are aware, putting a podcast out, people putting anything out publicly, you're just opening yourself up to um, critique and abuse, especially in like Twitter, but. I can honestly say that I've had nothing but positive feedback. Um, like I, I uh, after I kind of ran through the idea with my wife, I took it to the guys at Laravel and they immediately were super supportive and Dries signed up to do the first episode before I'd even committed to anything. Um, and, and Mohammed as well. So yeah, it's just, honestly, it, it moves me really because I'm just, I, the way I see it is that, all I'm doing is having a conversation with someone talking about some things, which albeit are very personal and um, delicate, but then spending a bit of time to edit it and putting it out for other people. But the value that seems to bring for people is, is far reaching. Yeah. I mean, and it was also, you know, I mean, like one of the things that really struck me um, about the last episode you did, which I was just looking it up and it looks like it was um, Jason uh, McCrary which, you know, I'm really good friends with him. And every time I talk to him or I see him, like, he's got to be, like, the most cool, under pressure, you can never tell anything is ever wrong with him. And yet, like, getting him to open up was incredible to hear because, you know, I always look at him as, like, the pinnacle of, like, what I want to strive to, which is, as someone told me, um, like, being a duck, like, on top of the water, like, ducks just kind of chilling, no one really cares, but underneath the water, like, they're flapping their little little uh, feet furiously, yeah. which is just my overall general state of everything. Um, yeah. And so like, it was like the way you got him to kind of open up and talk about things was just incredible. And I don't know if that's your accent or like, <laughs> like how, how did you do that? 
um, one of the things that gets commented on quite a bit is my accent. And um, yeah, I, I don't know whether it is just that people just feel comfortable talking to me because I'm politely British. And um, <laughs> honestly, I don't know. I, I feel like I sometimes I can ask questions that maybe even friends wouldn't always ask. Maybe not close friends, but like like friends that you hang around with occasionally. Like even even they wouldn't ask sometimes. And I think part of it is the fact that just asking if somebody is okay is enough sometimes. Um, and, and also, I guess, because I approach people ahead of time and I have a form that they fill out, which goes through like um, some, some basic questions, like tell me about your experiences, tell me about you. Are there any things that you don't want to talk about? And so um, like with Caleb, who whose episode's going out on Wednesday, um, he has like a crippling fear of, of vomit and he he said in the thing like i don't think it's really relevant or whatever and we had a bit of a discussion about it prior like he, he didn't say explicitly it was the fear of vomit but that we could talk about it if we wanted to so i was just intrigued and asked him and uh, that discussion kind of led to him being more open to actually talking about it and seeing it as something that might help people um as well so i think just asking people, just talking to them. I don't know what it is about me that makes that happen, but I, the, yeah, I just ask the questions. That's really cool. I mean, it's good to have like um, a space for that conversation, right? Because so many things in life are professional, are personal, but maybe it's not personal in that way, right? So I, I really appreciate how you're kind of blending the two, right? Like you can be the professional person who's known in the community, but you're still a person. And that encompasses the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I try to... Uh, um, so there was an episode I did with uh, Jess Archer. And when I sent her like the, the draft episode, she said her feedback was, it's great, thank you, but I'd like to hear more of the conversation that we had. Um, not just their story, but also kind of the bits that I'm going back with, my experiences a bit more. So I have started to... Um, include more of my sort of just like conversation i guess um which i did especially in jason's episode um and i'm doing in caleb's because i'm still editing it um but yeah ho hopefully that kind of shows through like uh, even i think people forget it's the same with celebrities everywhere in any industry like people forget that they're human um and i think you look at people like um um like the guys at Sparty and Taylor, uh, Adam Wather and Steve Sugar, those those people that are like prolific creators, and you actually have a conversation with them, and they go, "Well, I'm I don't know what we're going to release next year. Like I'm out of ideas for things. Like they're they're worried about what are they going to produce, what are they going to bring to the table next time, and um, but everyone's looking at them like, "Oh, you're a god. You, you've you're always switched on. You're always making things or whatever." But it's not actually the case. Uh, and I think just kind of having that humane side to a conversation doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, I mean, that's something I speak for OSMI every so often when I like decide to submit the conferences and stuff. And that's the one thing I've always noticed is people will come up to me and just thank me for making some topic like that, you know, humane because they don't know how to talk to their boss about it. And so I'm the one 
breaking that barrier down for them. Um, you know, so if, if there's any other way to like add humanity to this industry, you know, I'm all, all for it. And that's who I think, um, that's where I think like your podcast will really help out for sure. Thank you. So this is PHP Town Hall, and I think people would probably like unsubscribe if we didn't talk a little bit of code for yeah. 20 minutes. Um, since you're a Laravel person, I'll just go ahead and assume you made your website with Jigsaw? I did, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so cliche. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you Laravel people in your silos. Jeez. That's not true. Actually, I work with Laravel like, all throughout the day, too. Um, what, so we kind of notice like every Laravel employee kind of does, like, I hate to say this, you do work in your own silos, funny enough. Uh, what parts of Laravel, of the Laravel ecosystem are you kind of working on maintaining and, um, um, adding on to? Yeah. So there's, uh, three things, um, Nova, which is the, uh, like backend admin dashboard stuff, uh, Envoy which is zero town, uh, zero ta- zero downtime deployments even, and uh, Forge, which is server provi- provisioning and deployments and like server management sort of stuff. So when I first joined, I was working solely on Nova um, with a couple of fixes to Envoy and Forge as I kind of came across them and was looking around the source code and whatever. Um, and so we've made, David and I, David Hemphill, who kind of leads the Nova project, him and I made a lot of, um, releases last year when I came on board and we went from like, I think it was like 300 issues or something down to 60 or 30. Um, I just kind of went through and like closed a lot of the ones that are old. And then, um, people, people think that if a project isn't moving, it's dead, which isn't the case at all, but it, it, I guess it didn't help things. So we kind of went through that and cleaned them all up. And then I'm now currently focused on forge. So with, um, with Nova, I, I admittedly haven't used Laravel in a few months now. Uh, is Nova still very active? Because it, uh, it feels kind of quiet in Laravel land. Oof, I guess, yeah. Well, so we switched to a um, two-weekly release cycle. Um, and a lot of the t- in every other week or is it twice Every a week? other week, sorry. Yeah, not twice a week. Yeah, sorry. Um, Slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Laravel releases every week. Um, but for Nova, a lot of the things don't really need to be out. Like we'll current, we'll uh, occasionally push out, uh, patches or whatever if that's needed. But, um, yeah, we try and do it every other week and include new features or, um, bug fixes or changes or whatever. But yeah, that is a slower release than, than the rest of Laravel, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, so, I mean, can you tell us what's coming next? Like what? What is that cool thing Taylor's going to do at Laracon, or do you know? Um, Are you sworn? To nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But what I can tell you is that I'm currently working on um, automatic database backups in Forge, Ooh, which is pretty cool. That, it's a much requested feature. That would be incredibly useful uh, mm. for the team I'm on. Like that would that would be awesome if we could add that. Yeah. So we're good. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say it works with um, you connect your um, Amazon S3 account or your DigitalOcean Spaces, um, and then you just configure the frequency of the backup, and then basically you're done. Uh, you can restore backup immediately, that kind of thing. Oh, that that's going to be cool. Um, what was like? So I'm I'm always curious. What was the ramp up time it took you to 
um, I guess, get comfortable working on such a huge open source e type company and project? Yeah, well, uh, it was very different to the jobs I've done. Um, I think, so I don't really do a lot with that. Well, I don't do anything with the framework stuff. So the open source-ness of working at Laravel doesn't really affect me too much. Um, I think, so I, I also managed the support tickets for Envoy and Forge. Um, and that was a bit different to what I've done previously, like having to respond to all the tickets and also trying to debug issues because Forge is a pretty massive project. Um, and it's like, it's when you get it, it's really easy to figure out what's going on. Um, but initially it was quite a deep dive that I had to do into Forge and like just loads of debugging everywhere and it, everything runs in queues. So that, that took a while to, uh, get your head around. Can you talk about the internals? I know this is available somewhere that I'm not aware. Is it actually written in Laravel? Like the yeah. internal yep. server administration part? Yep. Um, so everything uses, so it's a, a lot of what happens is, um, Forge executes a queue job and then that runs a bash script on, on the actual server itself. So it, it's quite a big mix between PHP and bash. Okay. Is it running in containers or is it directly modifying by a provider APIs or what's it doing there? Um, are you talking about the servers individually? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, Forge connects to DigitalOcean, AWS, Linode, and man, I can't remember the other one, but <laughs> there's another one. And, uh, essentially we, we use the APIs for those providers to spin up a new server. And then one that's, once that server is created, it hits a callback and the callback uploads a script and then it runs all the bash stuff. So it's n oh, cool. none of it's like dockerized or containers. Okay. So you're using their APIs directly. Do you, so you just have like, do this thing and then you have an adapter to each provider. So, yeah, basically yeah. For, for creating the actual server. And then we provision it by uploading, um, essentially SFTP. We upload a, a bash script that's kind of generated using blade and then so we can insert all the variables and everything and then that just runs through installs packages configures different sites or whatever um and then done yeah nice is that um how do i put this generally is that stressful like it seems like the support issues you would get on that would be vastly more stressful than the support issues on the other products just because people maybe they broke their site or the providers down they expect you to fix it? Um, sometimes. I think because it's a paid product, there's that expectation of support for things that aren't necessarily in the realm of what we would do. Um, so like people that want to configure mail on the server, for instance, that's not something we would do, but we would send them a link probably to a DigitalOcean article because they cover like everything, but um, we wouldn't actually set that up for them. But we'll investigate things if that helps them. I mean, how how annoying does it get? Like, if DigitalOcean goes down or AWS goes down, and everyone's hitting up like y'all's Twitter to let you know, that can't be like the easiest part of the day. <laughs> oh man, um, Amazon SQS went down uh, back in October. Hell yeah! And, like, yeah. So all of our, um, well, I say all of them. 
Forge and Envoy uh, and Vapor as well, I think, all, use, all used SQS. And so no jobs were being dispatched. And people were clicking buttons like, nothing's happening. And then um, I think we replied to like 300 issues in, in an hour, just basically, uh, yeah, we're aware of that. SQS is down. Go to the status page and we'll, we'll update it from there because we cannot physically reply to every person to say, yeah, that's done now. There's like, so there's uh, Taylor, Mohammed, and myself that respond to support tickets for those products. And uh, yeah, it's just, it, I mean, having been on the other end of that kind of situation, I understand and appreciate the frustration, especially when you're trying to deploy into production and like inevitably there's a critical bug that you need to get out. Um, and, and that did happen. People couldn't, deploy the websites so we gave them instructions to deploy that manually but i think it's just worth like it, it yes it can be frustrating when you when you're replying to the 278th ticket of the same thing but um they don't know that do they like to them it's their their issue and you've yeah, just got to one ticket right yeah yeah especially especially when it's something like that that doesn't happen very often um and w- we also use um what they called saved replies for for a lot of them. So if there's an issue that happens a lot, then we will just save a reply for it. But recently, actually, I, I did um, rewrite all of the documentation for Forge, and that covered a lot of the issues that people have, have frequently. So that that's helped. So, so a lot of issues with people not referencing the documentation, or how do you drive people there? Yeah, people don't check the documentation <laughs> we're all guilty of that though yeah. <laughs> um yeah so we i just link them to it i i tend to copy the the snippet that's relevant and send them a link to it and then at least next time they have the link to documentation i mean i, I i'm sure mohammed bitched the other day when i asked him a very stupid question on twitter about forge so i get it <laughs> i didn't see that <laughs> I was just wondering, I was like, I just want to know what the Git branch I'm on is in the Forge API. And he's like, oh, it's right here. I'm like, man, if I just read the documentation, it probably would have been <laughs> very clear. We're all guilty of that, though. Yeah. How do you, um, maybe you yourself or how does Oreo as a whole kind of split up the support aspect versus the new dev or innovation aspect, right? Do you all think about this in, in terms or you just kind of take it as it goes or what do you do? So Taylor predominantly deals with billing issues. Um, and then Mohammed and I tend to get through the support tickets by the morning. Um, it helps that the, that we're all kind of in different time zones. So Mohammed and uh, Dries are one hour behind, uh, one hour ahead of me, sorry. And then, um, Taylor is like six hours behind me. So seven hours behind them. So there's a crossover period, which is really helpful, actually. Um, and then, uh, Mohammed and I tend to respond to the tickets on Envoyer Forge, and Mohammed also picks up Vapor tickets, and then David does all the Nova like support tickets, not the GitHub issues. Um, and the, oh, sorry, there's also the Spark tickets that Mohammed and Taylor deal with as well. Um, and then Dries handles all the open source package ticket stuff. It's a lot. Is it hard to context switch between so many different things all day? Um. I don't find it that tough. I actually feel like I work better by having that kind of period of different contexts, like a, a reset for me. I can go back and um, 
so long as I've reached a point, but then uh, we we try to resolve tickets as quickly as possible, but we're not constantly like refreshing the the inbox to go through it. So we just check it occasionally, and then if we've got the time, we'll reply to the ticket. Um, yeah, so I, I I don't find it too hard. It's cool. Was it hard um, working across so many different time zones? Uh, you said you said Dries is one hour ahead, and you said Muhammad is two, but yeah. That seems kind of like I, I would have thought Egypt was an additional hour over or my conception of Europe is terrible. But oh, yeah, sorry. Now we're in DST now, aren't we? So, yeah, um, Mohammed's two hours ahead. Drews is one hour ahead. There was a period where Drews and Mohammed were in the same time zone and then I was still one hour behind them both. Oh, my God. We had to yeah. just say how daylight savings time is done. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like every developer's nightmare, isn't it? I thought they were trying to get rid of it. I would. I will vote for someone to do that. I'm sure it'll go away when America switches to the metric system. Yeah, that'll be after we die. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we we still these um, TSD as well, so that's well BSD. I mean, isn't it weird that we sell milk by the gallon but soda by the liter here? I mean, does that it seems kind of weird to me? We should just. I want a gallon of soda, please. Do what? If you just said, like, I want a gallon of soda, please. Like, no, we sell milk by the gallon, but we sell soda by the liter. Like, that's No, no, I'm just saying, like, say yeah. it out loud, and it just sounds so weird. One gallon of soda, please. That sounds way better. Or one liter of milk. That sounds fine, too. Either way, I think that we should um, take Prince Harry and Princess What's-Her-Face back over here and adopt the metric system in transit. I mean, I agree. So, um, uh, like, so one question I asked Dries that I thought was really cool, um, and this is, so it is a, a known perception that the Laravel developers like to do their own Laravel things. Um, what, what are, like, what is a package or two packages that are non-Laravel specific that you will always rely on, you will always reach for? Ah, uh, good question. Non-Laravel specific. Uh, let me just see if I can find the name of it. Uh, Googling. It's cheating. Uh, I'm just like, trying to remember if it is. PHP packages. The phpleague.org or whatever. <laughs> Actually, uh, Glide was brilliant. I don't even know what like, that is. Which one was Glide? That's, uh, it's based on intervention. I don't know what that is either. Oh Image manipulation. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's uh, 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 Jonathan. R uh, I'm gonna say his last name wrong, probably. Uh, yeah, Renink. Yeah, Renink. Yeah, it's one of those that you read that's different to how it's said. I'm sure it is. Yeah, well, he's Canadian, so that's just expected. <laughs> Would you say this French? Well, part part of them is French up there, so yeah. It's no, yeah, this is a this is a really cool library. I always forget about it because I don't do a lot of image stuff, but mm. the few times I have used it, I've been really impressed by like how clean the API is and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice. I, I built a whole like um, flat file image like store manipulator kind of API for my last job, and and it was fantastic. I'd if I ever needed to do anything with images, that's where I would go, um, and then. Guzzle because like writing an API oh, yeah. without it is a nightmare. You can't not choose Guzzle. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like standard, those little, those just like standard. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, we know it's getting late over there. We don't want to take all of your time. We don't want Taylor to get too mad at us for keeping you up late and nothing. <laughs> Terribly productive. Oh, school night, yeah. <laughs> school night. Um, so, if people want to find you online, James, uh, where are the best places for them to uh, find you at? Twitter, GitHub. I use the username jbrooks without an e. J b r o o k s. UK everywhere. Cool. Awesome. And, and, and the really podcast. Your, your podcast. Yep. Podcast yep. So that's um, happydev.fm or uh, on Twitter, it's at happydevfm. Cool. Awesome. And you said the next episode will probably be out after or before this one gets uh, released. So if you haven't checked it out, you said Caleb is this week, I think. Yeah. Caleb Pozio. So Caleb. If I, if I finish editing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you probably have like two weeks or so before we launch this. So you have plenty of time. Ah. We still have to fix our website, which could take a month. Who knows? Yeah. And the rate <laughs> we're going, it's going to take a while. Uh, like so- every. Builder's nightmare. You know how like a builder's home is never complete because they spend all the time building other people's. Well, the worst part is we didn't use Octopress. So it's in Ruby. So we have no idea how it works. It's just a black box. Should you use Jigsaw? <laughs> we, should. I mean, we could. My blog is on Jigsaw. And I know what I'm doing with it. There you go. I'll, we can blame Phil Sturgeon for that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. James, thank you so much for staying up late and hanging out with us. It's super appreciative. Well, Definitely have you back on uh, soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks. Bye, Ben.